Power to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the first episode of our Westworld Season 1 Rewatch Podcast. Tonight we're going to be going through Episode 1 of Season 1 and talking about what stands out to us and what we still love. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. So it's been a while since we've come out with a full episode. We did a little bit of a of an update on Season 2 progress, and we had our Western Movie Club going for a while, but now we're going to try something different. Yeah, we're going to, uh, you know, over time on a not exactly set schedule, uh, rewatch a little bit of Season 1. I, I don't know about you, James, but I actually haven't watched any of Season 1 since the end of it. Uh, oh so long ago and now that Westworld is perhaps far in our future not as far as it might have been teaser uh, but it is not you know right now they haven't even shot it yet they'll probably start shooting it this summer but now that it's a little far away it was interesting to go back and watch season one episode one there were a, right as it started there were a lot of things that popped into my mind that I was that I remembered that I really enjoyed and I was waiting for but there was also a bunch of stuff that I had forgotten happened it was fun yeah and going back and watching the first episode and it, you know it was a pilot right I don't think the show had been fully planned out when they had produced this pilot. There's a lot of stuff where I wonder, like, hey, was that planned from the very beginning, or were they kind of playing it loose? Yeah, I feel like most of the storylines were pretty fleshed out. I think it was pretty obvious that the Man in Black storyline was not as fleshed out as it as it could have been in that moment, because he says some pretty vague things if you go back. Like, the, when he's first introduced to us, he's just saying vague things about how he's been here a while and he plays the game different. And it, it, it's a very, like, he feels a little distant, like a Darth Vader distant in the beginning. And in that moment, you're like, the way you get fleshed out over the next 10 episodes, and you can say fleshed out, or if you think about it uh, in a negative fashion, you could just say, like, you know, forced into the dark side within 10 episodes very quickly from being Jimmy Simpson to being Ed Harris uh, smiling while he gets shot at the end there, finally confirming that this is what he's lived his entire life for. Uh, It's hard to to get there and then then go back to season one, episode one, and be like, you... It feels like, like as he's dragging her into the bar and you're like, I... I just don't know what's going on. Yeah, before we jump right into it, there's a few things we should touch on that we brought up last week. That writer's strike everyone was really worried about did not come to pass. Uh, you know, sheesh. Thank thank gosh. You know, we'll, all move, we'll move on with our lives, but it, they came down to a resolution near the end of it. There wasn't an actual writer's strike, which it was. everyone was pretty like... It was definitely going to happen there for a day or two, and then the next day they're like, we figured it out. Everything is fine. Also, this is not strictly related to Westworld, but disappointing news for fans of the Western genre in general, Red Dead Redemption 2 has been delayed until 2018. That 
sucks. <laughs> I wanted to play a Let's Play and like put it on a YouTube channel. It was gonna be the it was gonna be the best. Now th- now that it's been pushed back, that that's. I mean, I'm I'm psyched for them to make a good game, but come on, give me it. And, well, there's another game coming out called The Wild West Online, and it's just going to be like an MMO, like your World of Warcraft, but in the Wild West. So Red Dead Redemption meets Westworld, but not in a sci-fi setting. The MMO. Yeah, like Westworld Second Life. I'll try it out. I'm going to try to go. I'll go Black Hat. Best two weeks in my life. Yeah, well, I'll, yeah, I'll do the free month or whatever if they offer that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, jumping right into episode one, the, you know, we have that where they're trying to trick us in the very beginning where it's like, oh, maybe Teddy's a person and he's coming back to the park to see the robot that he loves. But once we understand the rules of the park, we know that's not possible. The hosts don't remember the newcomers. They're on like a loop, so they wouldn't recognize you if you would come back when the loop had restarted. Yeah, it's all a cruel joke. As we eke into the episode, we see the we see the theme song, the 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 sounds of said theme song flood into your brain and release endorphins, rem- letting you know that you remember how this song goes. The chord progression washing over you, etc., etc. The violent. Like, a bunch of violence is happening, robot horse, you're like, this is sick, this is sick. And then, exactly as you just said, you know, we're in the beginning. It's that part where, within the trailer, we didn't know if it was Bernie or if it was Ashley Stubbs. It turns out, in the end, that they're both talking to Dolores. They're just giving her the AI test so that they can bookend it at the end when they ask her all the questions now. And she's like, yeah, everything's fine. I wake up, and my eyes are bright, and everything's cool, and my, my, my dad's here, and he's not different yet. Uh, because he's just still fine. He's Peter Abernathy 1. We all love him. We all love him. He's going to be a series regular next year, actually. The guy who played Peter Abernathy 1, who was in cold storage. But as we know, there isn't anything in cold storage anymore. And then as you just said, exactly, they pulled the switcheroo on us. James Marsden slash Teddy Flood is basically there to keep Dolores in her loop, right? I mean, he's basically assigned he, to Dolores, except for when uh, a frat guy asks him to bring her him around. Then everything changes. One thing I like about this episode that I kind of picked up on right away is there's no crazy timeline nonsense. Jimmy uh, Simpson isn't even here, so we don't have to worry about, like, what timeline are we in? When Dolores is talking to Bernard, we can safely say that's Bernard and not Arnold. There's no weird time distortion happening. No, in fact, there's only one mention of Arnold in the first episode. And it's by the guy who has all the milk come out of his bullet holes. Remember that guy? Yeah. He goes insane. That's the only part where he's just like, I'm not going to die this time, Arnold. Which you can assume Arnold's responding to him like, okay, man, you mean... You do what you gotta do. Just keep, just keep fucking shit up, dude. You're doing great. Right. Exactly, but like to your point, there are eventually like three timelines, right? At some point, there are three places we are, and not in the pilot. The pilot is one place, and then the, you know the second episode comes back around, and we meet Jimmy Simpson, and we're like, oh well, 
I wonder what happens over to him in the next nine episodes. I bet it's not. I bet it turns him evil. Moving on. So I had remembered later into the series, we were like, oh, maybe the man in black's not so bad. And episode one, he wasn't dragging Dolores off to rape her. He was dragging her off to interrogate her about the maze. It seems a lot like he's going to rape her. Yeah. Going back Rewatching to episode it? one, it yeah. seems like it was uh, wishful thinking. That we're trying to, I, I like there. I I wit. I don't know it, it. I recall that because like when eight episodes in, you're like, he can't be, he can't be that bad. He's Jimmy Simpson. Jimmy Simpson's a nice guy. But it, you're right. As I saw him dragging her that time, I was like, I honestly think he's gonna do some weird stuff to her. Come on, this. Aw. <laughs> Yeah, after we got to know them, we wanted to like William slash the man in black, but it seems like he's an evil motherfucker and he's just doing evil shit. You know, you gotta remember, he didn't really care about the hosts that much until when he was attacking Maeve and her children for funsies. He kind of had a revelation like, oh, maybe they're people. Right, like for a good time. Which is later in the season, and before that, he like perhaps sexually abuses his best robot friend who he doesn't even care about anymore it so yeah but i really like that we were literally put into a fugue by jimmy simpson's acting ability where we were like we we just kind of want to like him so i'm sure he didn't do anything wrong but you're right you watch it back you're like gosh i feel like he's gonna rape her yeah that is disappointing yeah he's a sadist he's evil that's like the quality that his suicidal wife saw in him, and that's why she did it. Killed herself, that is. So, Man in Black, uh, bad guy. Pure evil. Yeah, he's not He is not a good one. Uh, I really enjoyed that the first, the first little part of this, watching it again before the, the blackout, where, you know, as you were saying before, Teddy comes in, and it's before the switcheroo, so we're, we're supposed to know that he's... Uh, or supposed to think that he's not a robot, as like Dolores says, like you came back. He's like, obviously I did. And then they're up in the hills, and he's like, how do those steer work? And she's like, I remember you dress like a cowboy, but you really don't know. Like that's apparently just part of his backstory is that he's a bad cowboy, except for all the parts where he has a uh, a weathered past. Those are he's a better cowboy then, but when it comes to steer roping, he's not any good. But then, like, even more importantly than that, seven minutes in, we get to see Clementine Pennyfeather, best name. She's amazing. Remember when uh, I remembered, not remembered, I actually watched. Remember when uh, Elsie steals the kiss from her? And in that moment, actually, I remembered it as, like, Elsie stole the kiss from her and then was, like, slightly disappointed by what it was, by what she did. But on the rewatch, that's not true at all. She steals the kiss from her and she's like, yeah, fun. Yeah, and initially you and I had been like, "Oh, that's going to come back. That's that something that's going to play into something." Nah. Not at all. <laughs> never, never again. In fact, we don't even know if Elsie's alive. We don't know if Elsie's alive for what? Like she was literally gone for two or three episodes. She disappeared in um in that weird creepy building, and we were hoping like maybe it was Bernard, like a nice Bernard who who came and got her, but Oh, it was also a little weird 
meeting Teresa within the first episode again while she was being nice to Bernard. In fact, she was calling him Bernie, kind of foreshadowing the fact that they're sleeping together. And and right when they meet each other, the the moment you meet Teresa, she's talking to Bernard and you're like, I don't know if you should be talking to him. He does eventually kill you. Yeah. You can kind of see that they have like a little bit of like a Jack and Diane from Cheers like, oh, will they, won't they vibe going on. Later on, <laughs> Teresa makes some expression and Bernard's like, wow, I really like that face you're making. Can I, can I use that? Can I, can I copy that and put it into the hosts? And she's like, no, that's weird. Leave me alone. Yeah, she's justifiably like, you should actually get away from me i'm still gonna sleep with you but you actually and in that moment you feel dumb you're like of course he's a robot of course we also get to see the beginning of the reveries plan we i get we got to see the little conversation between bernard and anthony hopkins dr robert ford where bernard's trying to talk to him about how the reveries is what's causing all these things to go wrong and and Dr. Robert Ford says, you know, you'll have to grant me a few mistakes every now and again. You know, humanity was built on mistakes. Also, within that conversation, he also says, like, is this the best humans can be? You can literally hear within this conversation, Dr. Robert Ford didn't do this, uh, did do this on purpose. It wasn't a mistake. This is the beginning of his world genocide plan, and he knows exactly what's going on. So, And and in the beginning, you remember, like, when we were like, Doc, think, we think Dr. Robert Ford is just, like, a crazy old man. We literally thought that for like three episodes. And he, he, that is Anthony Hopkins. His performance is so chilled out and understated in this episode. And it gets so over the top later on. And it happens, you know, like we said, the first three episodes were just like, Oh, it's just some weird old guy. He plays it so well going from like, I'm just an eccentric, sweet old man to, like, I'm full-on crazy and maybe I'm going to take over the world. Yeah, because when you watch that scene with Dr. Robert Ford and Bernard talking about perhaps Dr. Robert Ford's uh, mistake that he made in this reverie code, you can see at the end, when Bernard walks away, Dr. Robert Ford's face is like, it's all coming to plan. And then we go to uh, the cooling systems was, was broken in floor 83 and Ashley Stubbs and a people a bunch of guns plus Bernard go down to cold storage which again as we know in the future becomes very empty but we get to see uh Dr. Robert Ford talking to the white bearded dude who is drinking to the girl with the white shoes and I don't know I'm just naming things I liked now but I, I, I and that was the same scene where he zips himself up into his own body bag it's creepy Here's something. If, you, if you're not familiar with the YouTube channel Film Theory, you should check out, I think it was last month, the episode they had on the location of Westworld, where they decided that it's under the sea, a la Bioshock, which had a city rapture completely under the sea. And he's saying that's one of the reasons why, like, the fucking... That's one of the reasons why the chamber is filling with water is maybe there's a small leak and they don't care because they're not using these chambers anymore. Hmm. I I still, like, I don't know why, but I still do want it to be in, in Antarctica. I, like, romantically want that. I want the, to have, like, the weird climate change angle where Antarctica 
is like a mesa, the mesa that they use, and it's just there's no there's no snow anymore. We we don't really need snow. Uh, we we figured it out. Everywhere is water because it used to be snow. So we get some silly scenes of these rando newcomers who are only in this one episode, and I like that. It, it reminds me a little bit of the original movie, where we've just got these minor characters who are guests in the park, and they're not that consequential. Are you and- talking about the weird couple? The weird, but the uh, <laughs> the couple who ruins Hesker's, H- H- Hector's speech? Yeah, they go on a little trip, and the host that's guiding them has a freak out. When a fly lands on his face, and I thought, like, oh, so maybe he wants to smack the fly. That's his first instinct, but he can't, and so he bugs out. Yeah, that actually could be it, because it, there is a lot of... The fly is obviously a catalyst, you know? Uh, every time we see James Marsden's teddy... Actually, we see James Marsden's teddy outside of, like, the brothel that he took the, all the frat boys to, and they're, and and one of the guys is like, he creeps me out and then it goes to him and there's a fly on his eye and he's just smiling and not smacking it and the the other guy's like yeah he's creepy but he he brings us places so yeah the fly is obviously a catalyst because as you know i mean it's the thing that's at the end of the episode before the blackout dolores hits the fly and you're like oh oh man everything's about to go poorly and as you said uh that fly in that moment that's cool i didn't think about that also, did you get the feeling that Lee Sizemore is like the Simon Cowell of Westworld? I was also gonna say like he's 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 in a, he's in a lot of this episode, and then he's not like in a lot of the show. No, I mean, but they use him a lot to just say exposition, just to say the exposition, like that one scene with Teresa where he's like, "I'm giving you." my full whatever and she's like you can see that there's a bigger plan management has which by the way they haven't mentioned yet although i still posit that it's uh the conscious switching thing based on that uh little speech that anthony hopkins did where he asked uh bernard if this is the best humans can be i still think it's that conscious switching thing where they take people's old bodies and put them into robots so that they're immortal I don't know. It could be anything, but that's my guess. And and Teresa's like, you don't even know. And then Lee Sizemore's like, that's true. I've said all of the plot that I could think of, so this scene's over now. Put out your cigarette in a in an interesting yet condescending way. The the big thing that happens in the middle of the episode is when the psychopath host kills sideburns trevor because he's angry about him that uh, over something that happened in a previous timeline and then he goes berserk and shoots up everyone in the bar and then pours milk on them because i guess that's what arnold's telling him to do he's like good good now pour milk on that guy oh yeah that's good that's a good milk pour dude oh don't get shut down don't get shut down they're coming oh you did it you let you get yourself get shut down this happens every time i i like to think of arnold as like super annoyed the robots aren't doing exactly what he wants them to do bernard is so nonchalant about all the weird shit happening in the park and i'm wondering like yeah that's your programming you're you're not supposed to kick up a fuss or interrupt the plan in any way. 
I actually had that same idea every time I heard Peter Abernathy won and Dolores talk, especially like in the beginning when they're talking on the porch before she goes into town. I was like, this sounds so scripted. And I was like, it's because it is scripted. But also like there isn't any, there aren't any park goers next to them listening to them, which I just found weird. It's, it's a, it's a tree falling in a forest. Like they'll always have that conversation about going out and painting at the beginning of the day, no matter what, that's just what's happening. And it doesn't matter if anyone's there. I just found that super odd. It's so neat. Then the man in black's doing more fucked up shit. He's draining blood from hosts. That's something that he does a couple times in the show. Yeah, he just he actually counts the amount of liters of blood he took out of Kizzy, I believe his name is, the guy the little guy from the the dealer from the saloon. And then he scalps him and the a picture of the maze is there to which you I guess after watching all of season 1 you have to ask yourself like Hey, Dr. Robert Ford, I, why did you put that there? I assume for someone to find it. So I assume for this moment is why you put it there. That feels weird. It feels weird. Why would you do that? And then Dolores meets up with her dad in the morning, and her dad has William's fiance's picture from 30 years ago. He just happened to find it, and it's just a huge coincidence. I still hate it. I really do. I don't like that part at all. Why does William have a picture of his sister on him? Why did he drop it? Did he drop it purposely? Why did they never go back and tell us any of those questions and or answers? No, he just has it. He's going insane, which is fine because it leads to a wonderful acting moment between Peter Abernathy one and uh, Dr. Robert Ford. But it feels... That feels like the laziest part of this pilot by far. Yeah, I think it is meant to just be one huge dink, and there's no really deeper meaning behind it, I guess. It, yeah, it no. is weird that <laughs> Logan has a picture of his, of his sister, and he gives it to William, and I don't know, 30 years later, just turns up again. Yeah, just to be in the in the right spot at the right time. We could we should also talk about uh there are I think three songs on the player piano within the pilot. Uh one of them uh the Black Hole Sun cover is uh, I think I agreed that it, the first time I watched the pilot it was the moment where it finally sold the show to me where I was like, okay, this show is actually wonderful. But also the first uh song that plays on the player piano is Black Hole Sun by Soundgarden, which has a bit of a new context because Chris Cornell killed himself last week. Yeah, well, I, I actually I didn't make that connection as I was rewatching the episode, but shit. Rest in peace. Yeah. So yeah, that one's that part is sad. Um but it is great on the player piano. And it was fun, like, because I didn't remember that it was coming. It felt like a nice little... Now it feels like a nice little tribute. I know it wasn't back then, because he was alive when that happened. But either way. Yeah, the next big soundtrack thing is when they do the orchestral version of Paint It Black during the big shootout, which they're... You know, all the all the robots are freaking out. So like, well, find the ones that freak out and kill them in this big event. Right, the same event where Hector has a great end speech that lee writes for him and then that gets stopped completely by the weird couple who shoot i shot him in the neck so go get the photographer 
It's actually, I think the funny. It's fine. I think it's the funniest part of the pilot. I really like that part. I thought it was annoying the first time I saw it, but actually, the way that it just messed up that moment and for Lee mostly, I just like to see Lee sad. Yeah, it plays with your expectations, which is in a funny way, and it reminds me of the nineteen seventy three movie where like the really geeky old dude is like, "I'm the sheriff in these parts now." <laughs> yeah. We get actually a reference to that to that movie uh, when Dr. Robert Ford is talking to the old cowboy on level 83 where he says, uh, just a simple handshake back then could have let you know that they were a robot, which is just a straight callback to the movie. Also, uh, I want to talk about the few times that characters grab themselves, like Dolores grabs herself in the abdomen when she sees Hector, remembering maybe perhaps that she gets shot there. Uh, Teddy grabs himself on the chest the day after he gets shot in the chest. Um, uh, Teddy, a robot that has not heard these violent delights have violent ends. In fact, that virus that starts from Peter Abernathy won because of the picture, which is why it really does irk me that that picture thing happened and that it's so weird. It's because it feels, they're like claiming it to be the catalyst it's the reason why Dolores hears these violent delights have violent ends but she's the only one who's actually heard it in the pilot you know and has the ability to hit a fly at the end but uh, a few of the characters at least Dolores and Teddy are both like due to the reveries feeling parts of themselves like oh I think I got shot here yeah and you're hinting at what we talked about as the best scene in the episode when it aired, and it still holds true for me, the confrontation between Peter Abernathy 1 and Anthony Hopkins towards the end of the episode. The huge part that's actually as the episode started, I said out loud to myself, oh yeah, I get to watch that scene between Peter Abernathy and Anthony Hopkins. It was the first thing I thought of. I was like, because that scene is just so good. It was the one where... You know, everybody uh, tweeted at Louis Hurtham, and he had, like, 2,000 followers, and he was just like, thanks, everybody! I really... Thank you! And now he's going to be a series regular, and he was on Narcos. Like, his career was revitalized because he stood toe-to-toe with Anthony Hopkins, and he did such an amazing job. Ugh. It was so, uh, so good. Also, by the way, during that time is when Dolores is being asked questions, and it's the first time she lies to Ashley Stubbs. And then the end of the episode's pretty good, too. Dolores is like, comes out and she sees her new dad, but it's all the same to her. We get the first shot of the maze. We get to see that on the inside of the scalp. Sure. Why is that there? But sure. Yeah, that is never addressed and it makes no sense. No, it doesn't. All right, so why would you put it there? Dr. Robert Ford. Yeah. When we 3D print the new robots, I want you to put this special design on the inside of their scalp. Why? So that someone can find it. (laughs) (laughs) So that they can find it. It, It's a little puzzle I'm doing. And yeah, the ending is brilliant. Fly lands on Dolores' face. Smack. These violent delights have violent ends, James. I think Dolores is Neo. I think she's the one. And she's gonna, she can now actually hurt a fly. So what else can she do? Question mark. Yeah, it's a good way to, to end off, I thought. Um, 
Oh no, it's a wonderful way. I mean, it's it's it makes you ask so many questions and kind of makes you forget the little inconsistencies that just happened. I'm interested. Uh, I didn't pick up on people like touching their wounds. Um, now I feel like I need to go back and watch it a third time because I missed that this time around. But yeah, that that leads up to Maeve pulling the bullet out of her body. So you know, maybe they're a little bit careless, Felix and Sylvester, when they're repairing them. They're like, "Yeah, that bullet's not really messing. They just leave it there." After this pilot, we don't even know who they are yet. We haven't met a bunch of the characters that like, uh, that that are most of the first season. We also see at the end that uh, Peter and Milkman uh, go into cold storage. Remember, Bernie. Uh, whispers something to Peter as he goes in, and at some point we kind of—I think we knew what he whispered him. It was—it was something like "You done well" or "Someday" or I don't know. It was like a robot to robot thing, perhaps. And then Peter looks like he's crying even after he was lobotomized, which is like, why? I don't know. I mean, I get—I guess he's lobotomized. Like, is that going to affect him, or are they just going to forget that when he comes back as a series regular? They're like, oh no, he's—he's he's fine. You know, the decommissioned hosts are the lucky ones. They get to be the vanguard of the robot revolution, and they get to shoot the man in black in the arm. I know, and they get to come out of the woods in that amazing scene ten episodes from now. As Dolores slaps her neck and the fly dies, one of many deaths to come, There Ain't No Grave by Johnny Cash comes on, and you're like, oh, y'all are picking songs, dude. Good songs. Second time around, I thought this episode is still, like, highly entertaining. A lot of rewatch value, I thought. There's a lot of little things you can pick up on. Not too much, though. There's Because they're so cagey with the details, there's not so much, overtly at least. I mean, you've mentioned, like, the, like, the wound touching, and that's really interesting to me now. But there isn't so much where you can be like, oh, hey. And that's because they don't want you to figure it out early. Right. I mean, I think most of that is they really don't dive into the Man in Black storyline at all. You don't know about Jimmy Simpson's character. You don't know about there are three timelines, which is like the main the main thing that people focused on all year. Which timeline are we in at any given moment? And does Jimmy Simpson become Ed Harris, which it becomes obvious later in the season that he does. But I mean, we haven't met Logan. We haven't met uh, young William, we haven't met Sebastian, uh, we haven't met um, Leonard Nam's character, Felix. We haven't met, we met Armistice and Hector, but we don't really know anything about them. We got to see that cool scene where they shot stuff, but we don't know, we don't know their deal. We don't, we don't know Hector's deal because he gets shot in the neck before he gets to say it out loud. And I, like you said, I really like this pilot. I liked it with the first time I watched it. I liked it this time I watched it too. Uh, it did allow for some moments to be a bit more annoying than they were the first time because I know how they end. But it also did allow for some moments to be a lot more interesting, a lot more foreshadowy than I thought they were. And it reminds me of the characters that I like the most. And I'm glad that Peter Abernathy 1 is coming back to the series because... He's a bright, shining part of this of this pilot. And it makes me sad that, you know, we might not get to see Anthony Hopkins again, as you might remember. 
Dolores slaps him like the fly he is as a part of his plan. So, will we see Anthony Hopkins again? I don't know. What about you out there listening? Have you rewatched any of the show since it first aired? What are your thoughts on episode one? And hey, hit us up before we record episode two at a undetermined date. And we'll read your comments on the show. Yeah, it's not a rhetorical question. Answer us. As you might know, uh, James is currently in Japan with a little baby boy. Little baby boy. Little baby boy, James. You have one. You got a little baby boy, and I'm on the east coast of the United States. I don't have a, a baby. Uh, I, I have a podcast. <laughs> so, uh, it <laughs> same thing, basically. James has both. Whatever. You know, greedy. Greedy is what he is. Um, but he has a little baby who has been very, very nice almost this whole time while we were recording. Yeah, he was all right. Send us. <laughs> <laughs> he was fine. Whatever. Yes, send us a tweet at Westworld Ryan. You can email us at the Westworld Podcast at gmail.com. We read everything and we typically read everything on the show. So, if you've got anything related to Westworld, or you just tell us about your day, whatever. Yeah, we got a few, uh, like, four or five likes on our tweet that we were doing anything this week. Honestly, anything more than zero always surprises me. Uh, although, we do have, like, three or four very dedicated fans that that uh, that make us feel very special, and we appreciate it. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, everyone should probably go back and watch the pilot with us. Uh, go go see if you can find some stuff that we didn't notice and tell us about it. And then as we go into season one, episode two, at a later date, uh, you know, maybe just go ahead and watch season one, episode one and two. Uh, the first one being the original, re- uh, referring to Dolores most likely, and uh, number two being Chestnut. Ah, oh, Chestnut. What's the top? Hold on. I want to see what the top Reddit uh, comment on Chestnut is. It is, well, is there anything you like about it? What size are his boots? And then and then Dr. Ford steals the boots. Oh, yeah, when Dr. Ford steals the boots from uh, Lee Sizemore's new, that red, the, what is it? He's like, this is my new thing everyone in the park is gonna it's a new storyline and then dr forever ford's like that's bad but i do like the boots so yeah everyone watch season one episode two check out those awesome boots i like those boots yeah thanks everyone for listening if you're just listening it means a lot to us if you want to go the extra mile you can follow us on twitter you can follow us on soundcloud or if you're really cool you could leave us a nice review on itunes that'll help other people find us We're actively trying to count how many times Teddy dies. We need help. And catch us sometime in the future for our rewatch of episode two. I'm James. And I'm Ryan. And this is the Westworld Podcast. Beep.